Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin, joined on this Monday by senior writer John Talty. John, I know we're going to talk about Alabama-Mississippi State. It was a lopsided Crimson Tide victory last Saturday to cap off the month of September. But first, you're a New York Jets fan. We were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. That was an ugly game on Sunday night, man, between my Chiefs and your Jets. I don't know. I, the Chiefs pulled it off because they got Pat Mahomes, but um, did you happen to catch any of that? Yeah, it was it was tough. You know, that's uh, – I texted you before the game, and no expectations. I think we both expected the Chiefs to roll. Um, I think as a Jets fan, I've been pretty beaten down, and so I don't go in with any hope. I feel like Aaron Rodgers getting hurt for the first four plays, like that's what Jets fan fandom is like. But they hang around, they hang around, and then they have a shot, you know, at the end of that game. And for them to lose the way they did was uh, was obviously tough. Um, but, you know, we were saying this off air, but some of what I see of the Jets, and I think that the, the Jets' offense is a lot worse than Alabama's offense, but there is some of that defense is really, really good. And there's going to be rock fights. They're going to keep you in games. And if you can just get enough from your offense, like you have a shot in kind of every game. And so – I think we saw a little bit of that from Zach Wilson. We saw more of it from Jalen Milrow. If we're going to make the connection here, but um, I just I don't know. I, I see some similarities between those two teams. Yeah, no, I think that's that's totally fair um, to put a pin on Chiefs Jets. Um, I wanted the Chiefs to go out there and just you know don't play with your food, right? Like just go out there, go for forty, play fearless, and just if, if you're going to beat a team, you you got to kill them. Even a team like the Jets that have been probably frustrating for you through the first four weeks of the NFL season. Um, and they they played with their food a little too much, and the Jets' defense is entirely too good to do that. Um, and it turned into a game, which was not exactly what I was expecting. Alabama, though, did not really have the same issues with Mississippi State. 40-17 to 17 winners uh, <coughs> last Saturday in Starkville. Overall, like a, a really, I thought, just start to finish offense, defense, you can nitpick here and there, and there's plenty to nitpick um, if you're Nick Saban. I think I ended up writing that in the instant. Um, but, yeah, Crimson Tide now 4-1 and one overall, 2-0 and oh in SEC play, 16 consecutive win over Mississippi State. Um, thought it was a good performance overall. Oh, the Alabama offense put up 357 total yards. The defense, like you mentioned, 
continues to put good, consistent behavior on tape, only allowed 261 yards to a Mississippi State team that went for, you know, almost 500 the week before against a South Carolina defense that is an optional defense in every sense of the word in that they sometimes play, sometimes don't. But still, another capable offense that Alabama shuts down, caps the month of September on a high note. Um, what was your instant reaction watching the game, rewatching the game, following the game, seeing the results? Yeah, I mean, I think one, it's like, it's kind of what you want to see, right? You know, you want to see that build off of the Ole Miss game. Like you use the word, you know, I mean, Mississippi State hung around for a bit, but for the most part, there wasn't a lot of, you know, playing around up your food, as you put it earlier. Um, you know, I wrote about this yesterday, but, you know, for me, one of the big takeaways was just how animated Nick Saban was. You know, I don't, I mean, Cody, you've only been here, you know, this season, but I mean, that's easily the most animated I've seen him all season. You know, I mean, he's, he can crank it up, but that was the most consistent, like, it seemed like, you know, every other minute he was getting on somebody um, on the sideline. And so I was like, all right, this, and I think you saw from just the fan reaction on Twitter and stuff like that. Fans were like excited about it. Like, oh, he's back. Let's go. You know? And so that was, that was, I think, interesting as well. But, you know, big picture, like they did what they had to do. You know, it's, I don't think you're going to take a massive amount away from a win over Mississippi State. No knock on Mississippi State, but that's like, they, they needed to win. You wanted to see them look pretty good. I think they did certainly looked a lot better than they did against South Florida and some of the other teams they played. So it feels like, you know, to, to wrap it, sum it up, I guess, big picture wise, it feels like a team on the, on the up, right. It feels like this is a team starting to get better and starting to make improvements. And so I think that's coming at the right time, looking at what comes this week and what comes later on in October and November, uh, because it's only going to get harder from here, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's that's a really good way to put it. Um, you know, the month of September was, you know, it had a couple tests. Alabama, I would say, passed most of those tests. Obviously, there was the Texas loss, but, you know, they went on the road and won a couple of games. They beat, you know, an Ole Miss offense that is incredibly capable, right? And we saw that, you know, not just before they played Alabama, but, you know, they, what, 700 total yards of offense against LSU in that wild back and forth in Oxford? Like, you know, they, they had more than 300 total yards of offense in the first half. Alabama held them to 301 for the entire game. Um, no, I think I, there's not, you know, big picture wise, I don't know that many people are going to complain about a 23-point road win in conference, even if this is a Mississippi State team that's kind of in transition and flux, right? Like, I mean, Mike Leach passed away. They're, they're running a different offense. Um, you know, Zach Arnett, one of the younger coaches in college football, and he's having to do it in the SEC West where there's a lot of good, a lot of eh, but there's a lot of talent in this league, right? So that's just a tall task. Um, you know, I you mentioned, um, you know, Alabama not really playing with its food. Like they really put their foot down in the later portion of the first half, which was really nice to see Mississippi State had driven to um, score a touchdown. It was 17-10 with six and a half minutes left. Bama proceeds to go on a 12-play, 75-yard drive to go up 24-10. You love to see that. Um, very next play, Will Rogers throws a pick. Um, shout out Jihad Campbell. Thought he played fantastic. We'll probably talk about him a little bit more in the show. Okay. And then three plays later, Alabama scores again. So in the span of 16 plays, it goes from a one-possession game to, you know, I don't want to say that effectively ended it, but it was 31-10 going into half. I mean, I think, um, no, I think, I think it did. I mean, I think that was the game changer right there, you know, to your point. I think it was at that point you're like, Mississippi State's not going to score enough to win this game, you know, to me, I felt like the game right there. Yeah, no, very similar to, I made a note of this while, you know, rewatching the game on Sunday, um, very similar to the early part of the fourth quarter in Alabama, Texas, right. Where they enter the fourth quarter, it's 16 to three, um, Texas goes 75 yards in three plays. Boom. They have the lead next play pick next play touchdown in the span of five plays in that game, Texas had gone from down three to up 11, yeah. Um, in this game, Bama goes from up seven to up 21, and that was effectively it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think this was this was a good overall, I don't want to say 110% complete performance from Alabama, but I, I would argue that, you know, offense and defense collectively, um, the most complete performance so far this season against a competent team, no offense to Middle Tennessee State, um, you know, but we saw – the offense moved the ball and score points on a regular basis. We saw the defense continue to do its thing, um, which, like you mentioned, really good thing to see at the end of September. Um, and we'll touch on this later again in the show. Um, October's only going to get tougher, but hey, pretty good opening month for Alabama to open the season. And you saw them continually, to use your phrase, trend upward 
as the month went. I thought that was really encouraging. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's what make you, I think, as an Alabama fan, optimistic moving forward. And I think that, like, I feel like we talked about this before the season even started, that, like, this felt like a team that it might take a little time for them to figure it out. You know, there were going to be some ugly games early on. I think it's why we thought that Texas game was, you know, such a hard challenge for them because it came so early on in the season and it was unclear what Alabama's identity was going to be at that point. But I think as we turn the turn the page to October, you know, I think we have a much better sense as to what Alabama's identity is. I think we know how Alabama can win games now. I think we know how they can lose games as well. But like, I think for at least the first few weeks, and you know, we talked about it on this show, like, what is Alabama's identity, right? I think we, we talked about exactly that. And I think now you can say with greater certainty, okay, I think this is what their identity is. I think if I'm going to talk myself into their path, I think this is what it could be, right? And so I think that, I think Mississippi State game just further solidified that, I would say, of like, okay, this is how I think they can win games. This is how I think they could still be competing come the end of the season. 100%. Yeah. Um, normally these game reaction pods are a little bit of freestyle where John and I, or even Brett stepped in one week, just kind of ramble a little bit, right? We just kind of like off the top of the dome, um, to give it a little bit of structure came up with, um, you know, a little bit of a skeleton here that we'll try and use through the rest of the season. Um, that was our instant reaction. Um, want to talk about the offense now. Um, again, mentioned 357 total yards of offense. They scored on seven of 10 drives. Um, Milrow was efficient, 10 of 1,264 yards, also had, um, you know, 69 yards rushing, pretty nice night, two touchdowns, um, as well, an electric 53 yarder. And then later in the uh, first half, second quarter called his own number on a 10 yard run. Um, start here on the offense. What is one thing that you liked John about Alabama's offense on Saturday? I think it's, I think it's the continued growth of Jalen Milrow. You know, I know that's the obvious one, but I think it's the, Again, I think you can talk yourself into this team being good. I think you can talk yourself this team being a SEC championship contender with Jalen Milrow, right? And I think it took us some time. You were more of a believer than I was initially, I think. Uh, credit to you. Um, but I think especially we saw against South Florida, like, okay, it's not going to be Tyler Buckner, right? And I think – I, but I, to, to credit me, I guess, I would say, I always thought that Jalen was the floor guy, right? And I, I didn't know if he was the ceiling guy, but I thought he was the floor guy. And I think that we're seeing – the floor of Jalen Milrow is good. It's solid. It's like with the defense, it's enough to be competitive and in big games. And I think you see certain plays. You mentioned the long run where it's like, oh, this is the ceiling of this guy. This is that special quality that he has that maybe other people don't have. And so I just think that he's he's getting better. He's getting more confident. I mean, Nick Saban talked about it afterwards. I think he wants to see even more there. And I think that's just you, you string some wins together, you string some big plays together. And I think that you start, you know, getting even more out of him moving forward. But I was, you know, listen, it wasn't flawless, um, but I, I was impressed overall. And I think just given, you know, him facing a, a bit of adversity to, to kind of get where he's at, I think that there's, I think he's another guy who I think is very much trending upward right now. Last two weeks for Jalen Milrow, 27 of 33, 389 yards. Um, that's just passing. Obviously, he's got well over 100 yards against both Mississippi and Mississippi State. A couple of touchdowns on Saturday, had a touchdown pass against Ole Miss. Um, you know, since that, you know, I mean, he's really of the last two games, maybe one or two bad throws. I know there was the red zone interception is one of them, but um, just very efficient. Um, he's kind of you know, kind of leaned into the point guard analogy that I know Nick Saban has used um, in terms of explaining what he wants from his quarterback. Um, he's been good. He's, you know, in a, and against Mississippi State, one of the things that really stood out is that he, you know, Milrow's getting quicker with his decision-making. Um, you know, on the couple of touchdown runs, it was drop back. What's the first read? Where's my safety valve? If none of that is there, put your foot in the ground and go, kid. Um, we saw that on the 53-yard run. We saw that on the 10-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, I saw that a little bit more as the game went on, like even when he would step up in the pocket, he would look downfield and, you know, he, he was able to hit, you know, Robbie Oots on a quick little, you know, little yeah. pop pass. He was able to hit CJ Dupre, um, you know, after stepping up and seeing that the linebacker is like, oh, you know, I got to go cover this guy. You left the tight end open. Let's throw it there before we cross the line of scrimmage. He's getting quicker with his decision-making he's processing, he's getting through his reads on a play to play basis. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pat myself on the back, but one of the things that a lot of coaches did tell me 
in the story when I, you know, I wrote about Jalen in the preseason was that, Hey, with more reps, more consistency, he's going to get better, right? He's going to see things more. He's going to get more comfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, not every defense he faces is going to be Texas where that front four is just going to eat you up every single play. Um, you know, but as, as he continues to get used to game speed, as he continues to get used to what he can do, what he can't do, as he, he leans into more of what he does well, he's going to play better. Um, you know, in Mississippi State, again, not world beaters, but, you know, this is two games now of mostly really good play from Jalen Milrow. Um, tougher task coming next week against Texas A&M, but, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I, that's very encouraging to see. I think one thing that I liked, um, I want everybody to come in real close because I'm going to whisper, offensive line. Six quarters. I don't know if you guys heard that. I don't. I don't want to say it too loud because I don't want to give them too much credit because I know that twenty sacks allowed in twenty quarters of play is not great. Um, but I would argue that of the eight sacks that Alabama has allowed the last two weeks, only two of them have been on the offensive line. I'm not putting any of the four sacks um, from Saturday on the offensive line. I thought they played much better. Caden Proctor, our boy, that true freshman from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, it seemed like there was a little bit of a left tackle battle the last couple of weeks between him and Elijah Pritchett. Um, Caden got majority of the snaps on Saturday. I believe he ended up playing 44 total snaps. Uh, Pritchett played, I believe, 15. Um, he looked good, man. Like yeah. last couple of weeks, he's only given up, I think, like two or three pressures after giving up. You know, I, he was responsible for I don't know how many sacks through the first three weeks, but he's settling in. He's getting a little bit of tight end help here and there. Um, but what really stood out in the game on you know against Mississippi State was that he he was able to hold his own on a lot of one-on-ones he's starting to win more than he's losing more um he doesn't look like a liability and that's really the offensive line across the board they're just they're, they're playing better as a unit um they're giving Milrow more time they're very very aggressive as run blockers which is obviously something Alabama wants to do more and now we're starting to see them the last couple of weeks do more I've been really encouraged I don't know that they're a finished product I don't know that they're they haven't arrived yet. They're not the we want to we want them to quit type of offensive line yet, but they're playing better. Um, and this is the second week in a row that they, you know, quietly, continually start to trend upward. Um, and that's really, really good to see in terms of what this Alabama offense can be. And I think it's, it's going to be critically important against Texas A&M. You know, I think A&M is a team that has some real dudes that create some challenges. And, you know, I think that you know, I think we've talked a lot in the show about the offensive line. And I think that to start the year, I think they you know, were disappointing in a lot of ways, given the hype. But, you know, I, I do think there was the talent was always there. Right. And so I think you're starting to your point with Proctor starting to see it come into shape a little bit. And I think that's what would make you optimistic. And again, well, there's a little bit of like, all right, let me see him against A&M. Let me see him against LSU. But I do think there's certainly coming into form. And I think if Proctor can be just, I mean, I don't know if serviceable is the right word, but if he can just be confident, I think this is where you use, like that just helps you out so much because I think that was a real concern coming into the season was can whoever wins that job be okay enough where you're not having to help all the time. And I think it's getting better, which would certainly, you know, make me optimistic. I still, I mean, not to go all Nick Saban here. Some of the snap issues still don't really understand those. Um, that's goofy. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's it, I don't. That's just uh, at a loss for words of that one. But at some point, that's going to have to get figured out. But beyond that, I agree with you. I think the offensive line, after I feel like we kind of we've crushed them a little bit on this podcast. I think Ole Miss, and then you know, I think. So almost second half, and then I think, you know, against Mississippi State, certainly a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Um, those were things that we liked about the offense. Uh, what was uh, one thing that you did not like about the offense from Saturday? Well, we were texting about this the other day. The wide receiver thing I'm still confused by, um, and, you know, there's some different stuff out there about why guys did or didn't play more, um, which I don't want to speculate too much about. But it's just – I don't know. It's just kind of confusing. It's like, I think that I'm just like a broken record and that I feel like I'm always talking about the wide receivers. Uh, it's been the thing that I've been talking about all off season. Like I've talked about it a lot during the season, but I just, at some point I feel like that's going to come and be a problem. It's not that there were things that I feel like were, you know, 
awful. It just, I just don't understand what they're doing. I guess it's really, so I don't even know if it's like what I didn't like about the receivers. It's more just, I don't really understand what the whole plan there is. Uh, and maybe it'll, I'm just not smart enough to figure it out, but I just, it doesn't seem to make full sense. And I think, I just don't, I still don't really know who you trust. I think that's my big thing too. Like, I, I think we thought it was starting to be Jermaine Burton, right? And then, you know, he plays the amount of snaps that he did. So that I think offensive, if I'm going to nitpick, I think that's going to be the, the thing that like, you know, again, when you start playing even better defenses moving forward, who's the guy who can get open and, and help out Jalen? I still think we have questions about it. Yeah, no, I, I, that was my, that, that was the one thing I did not like about the offense is that just the, the wide receiver usage is very, very confusing. Um, you know, you look at this game and you know, Jermaine Burton, who is, you know, I think I would argue Alabama's top receiving threat, um, you know, at least specifically out of the wide receiver room, we can argue about, you know, tight ends and whatnot, but um, played eight snaps. Um, that's weird. That's really weird. Um, you know, all indications suggest that, you know, probably not a big important, you know, like it, I, nothing to worry about, nothing injury wise. It doesn't even sound like it was like a team discipline thing. Like it sounds like they maybe just wanted to get more guys, more snaps, but you know, you look at the way the snaps have been dis like distributed. You look at the way targets have been distributed. It's just weird, man. Like Isaiah Bond's got 196 snaps and 20 targets. Okay. Jermaine Burton now has 182 snaps and 13 targets. Okay. Malik Benson, 143 snaps, seven targets. Ja'Cory Brooks, 106 snaps, seven targets, two catches for five yards after having eight touchdown receptions last year. Um, you know, and then you got Kendrick Law, Kobe Prentice, Jalen Hale, uh, you know, 52 snaps, six targets, three catches and a touchdown, um, you know, and then you work in the tight ends and running backs there as well. It's just, it's weird. I don't get it. I agree with you that not having like a go-to guy on the outside is that might come back to bite Alabama at some point. Nick Saban made, um, I mean, he was asked about the receivers last week and said basically some to the effect that they're looking for more consistency. And then I look at these numbers and I'm just like, you like pick your best three, pick your favorite three, pick the three that work the hardest. I give pick the three that, you know, give you the best chance moving forward, you know, or even two, if you're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, I just, I don't get it. I'm confused. We're probably going to continue to ask Saban about it this week because I agree. Like, it's just, it's, it's bizarre, you know, especially, you know, Mike Rodak wrote that story earlier this year about, you know, just Alabama's issues at receiver, um, which is a weird thing to write about considering it's, you know, they've had Julio, they had Calvin Ridley, they had Jamison Williams, they had Devonta Smith, just, up and down the line like they had a lot of this was arguably wide receiver you for the better part of a decade and now it's just like it's like they forgot how to use them a little bit um you know that might be an irresponsible thing to say because again i'm not in the room i don't know what goes on i don't we don't get to watch practice this that and the next but it's just it's very weird and it just continues to be weird five weeks into the season yeah no for sure and I, so i think it's i was talking to a a college coach uh, this past week, not at Alabama, um, but about just some of the environment that we're in right now. And he was telling me that like, and I wonder if this is what's happening in part at Alabama and why it's confusing to us, but maybe it makes sense internally that like, you almost have to use, you have to play more and more guys and give more and more guys a little taste to try to prevent them from jumping into the transfer portal. And so I wonder if it's like, we're, but the flip side of that, which we've talked about is, well, if nobody feels like they're a top dog, are they, going to jump in the transfer portal so like it's i think there's some management there of i need to play more guys to make sure that they can't use the why to get to play at all as an excuse when they jump in the transfer portal at the end of the season i think alabama especially at the wide receiver position at some of the offensive positions has been beat up from a depth standpoint with guys just jumping into the portal and so that's as I was thinking about it, that's kind of where it kind of made sense to me. That's maybe that's what's happening. Of just like, let's try to get more guys reps, more guys opportunities. You can kind of put it on them. Like, Hey, we played you. You just didn't really do anything with it. Um, but I, again, I think it just, it's going to create challenges down the road and, you know, you're all the way back to, you know, 2021, a national championship game where Jameson goes down and, you know, afterwards Saban, publicly calls out the wide receivers that they were not kind of ready for the spotlight, not ready for prime time. And since then, like, I thought it was like, man, it's going to be a wake up call. All these guys are going to step up. And like two years later, I mean, I don't think we've really seen it. Um, there are guys who are on that roster in 2021 who have not really taken the big jump that we thought they were going to. So, you know, again, you, we can direct people to read Rodak's story of 
you know, development, recruiting, whatever you want to call it, um, about why they've kind of gotten into the position that they're in. But it's definitely, it's definitely strange. And if you just, I think Urban Meyer has even made this point publicly. Like, if you just take Jameson Williams off, like their run over the last few years looks rough. Um, and just all these highly rated guys that just have not necessarily hit. So I think we could probably talk about it every week, right? You know, I think until until somebody really breaks out and starts, you know, dominating the way we've seen guys dominate in the past, I think it's going to be an ongoing storyline for this team. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Defensively, um, another really Good performance all around from Alabama. Allowed 261 total yards. Uh, finished the game with four sacks, eight tackles for loss. Uh, no Deontay Lawson in this game, but Jihad Campbell stepped in. I thought played really, really well. Um, Nick Saban kind of in the post game nitpicked a couple of plays, which I was I, I was able to find those on the rewatch. So maybe just a couple of small miscommunication things. But overall, 17 points allowed on the road against an SEC opponent. The defense continues to put consistently good behavior on tape, I think. Uh, John, what is one thing you liked about the way Alabama played defensively on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think I just go broad. I just think complete effort, you know, complete game. I feel like, like you said, that, you know, there's a couple of nitpicky things. I think he, I think he mentioned after the game, was it Trez, you know, maybe as the play caller, got a couple of things, you know, maybe in a little late or a little off uh, with Deontay being out. But big picture wise, I feel like, We've seen, I think, the, the pass rush has improved as the season has gone on. Um, we knew the secondary was going to be good. I feel like they've continued to be strong um, in that area. And, again, that's like kind of what I was saying to start. Like, I feel like they did what they needed to do. Like, we saw, like, I mean, I, I, did they give up some maybe more runs than that, some more rushing yards than they thought? Probably, you know, again, you can get nitpicky about some of that stuff. But big picture-wise, like, late night game in Starkville tough place to play when those cowbells are ringing, you know, it's, it's a hard place to play fired up team. And I feel like that defense, you know, ended any hope that Mississippi state and its fans had of winning that game. And so I just think it's, we've seen this team struggle on the road, uh, especially last year. I think we've seen it a little bit this year, but I thought this team can rely on its defense to, not let an opposing team, especially on the road, get up on them too much. And I think that's such a valuable thing to have. So um, I think that's pretty vague, pretty vague answer, but I just kind of liked it all. Like, I don't, I really like, I was thinking when you sent me over what we we're going to do, I was trying to think of like, what did I really not like? What did I like? It's like, I kind of liked it all. And I didn't really dislike very much. I think it's just overall, like this defense is really, really good. And I think you could really talk yourself into them having a good enough defense to go all the way, or at least make the playoff with this kind of defense. Yeah, they seem to be trending in that direction, just, you know, consistently putting good behavior on tape, right? Like cracking that joke, but like, they're good, man. Like they're good against the run. The secondary has, you know, they seemingly have figured out those five guys and they are communicating very, very well, especially, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like it looks like they learned quite a bit from that Texas game. I know when they played Ole Miss, um, you know, the Rebels didn't have the full complement of offensive weapons, but to still you know, shut down a very capable quarterback in Jackson Dart the way they did, um, you know, that was encouraging. And then, you know, you come back against, you know, Will Rogers, who for the last two years has led the SEC in passing. I know that was under the air raid, but still a capable quarterback. And they made life really tough on him, right? Like they were able to, you know, there were a couple of punches traded here and there, but for the most part, 
Um, I thought Alabama's defense did a really, really good job. Um, I really liked um, the continual match. You know, I mentioned Jod Campbell, um, his, you know, final stats, 14 tackles, team team high, also had four pressures, um, you know, so not only is he playing the run, but he's also a capable pass rusher as well. Um, you know, just a guy that did a lot of stuff, right? Half a, you know, half a sack, tackle for loss, had an interception <laughs> late in the first half that ultimately helped Alabama flip the game. Um, I think what the big thing that I really, really liked, though, um, Caleb Downs, the continual maturation of Caleb Downs, who was able to get his first career interception. He had 13 more tackles. Um, he just he looks really, really good. He, he continues to play fast. He continues to be a guy where it's like, yeah, like Alabama can count on that guy on the off chance that something, you know, there's a miscommunication or a missed assignment or something happens and the offense gets a chunk play. Caleb Downs seems to be playing safety right like he's last line of defense he's able to kind of you know make the tackle when they need it um he's 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 a thumper man and and run defense sometimes he's able to get into the box very very quickly and lay a good hit on people um and here's a fun stat that i found just in re-watching the game but also you know kind of scanning pro football focus and some other numbers against texas caleb downs was not good um steve sarkeesian decided I'm going to pick on the true freshman. I'm going to make him make decisions and he's going to choose his own death. And that's kind of exactly what happened, right? In coverage, according to pro football focus, Caleb Downs gave up five receptions on six targets for 118 yards and a touchdown. Since then, he has given up five receptions across three games for 40 yards with multiple passes defended, two direct pass breakups and the interception. He's been the highest rated defender by PFF for Alabama's defense the last two weeks. Um, he's also been the highest graded player in coverage specifically. So like not only has he been the best player on the defense, according to pro football focus, but in a secondary that has Malachi Moore, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Terry and Arnold, who has been really, who's played very, very well this season. Um, Caleb Downs has been on paper, snap for snap, better than all of them. Um, according to PFF, um, it's been really fun to watch him continue to just, obviously he was a five-star guy. He was a guy that we all thought would play immediately um, he's playing at a very, very high level five games into the season. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, like he was very highly hyped. And I think that, you know, kind of leading into the season was like, this could be the next Minka. And I, I still absolutely believe that, but I think you're right that he got thrown into the fire against Texas, you know, and Sark is, I mean, I have said this in the past. I think he's the best offensive coordinator Nick Saban's ever had. I mean, he's just a brilliant X's and O's guy, very good strategic offensive mind and like you, you, know, you gotta pick your poison right it's like do you want to go after Kool-Aid do you want to go after Terry Arnold and like they decided all right we're gonna go after the true freshman let's see if he can kind of hold up and you know I, I don't think it was an awful performance but it certainly was not a great performance and I think he got beat up and I think he learned some things and I'm sure that you know Kevin Steele and Javaris Robinson and Nick Saban you know could see things on film and help him think okay here's what you did and I think the fact that you brought up those PFF stats, I think speaks to just the growth he's already had since that moment. And Megan, he's still just a true freshman. I mean, just think about what he's doing now and what he could do over the next, you know, two and a half years, uh, maybe three and a half years is pretty wild to think about. Yeah. The, the stats more or less just kind of confirm the eye test, right? Like you watch these games, you rewatch these games and it's like, okay, like he's, he's doing stuff. He looks good. He always seems to be in the right spot at the right time. Um, and then you look at the stats and it's just like confirmation that what I'm watching is real. Um, and he's, he's a very good player. Very, very good player. Um, I know you kind of made, uh, an allusion to this, that you weren't quite sure what you didn't like about the defense, but I'm going to ask you anyway, what did you not like about the defense, um, from Saturday? Again, I don't think I have major things. I'm going to, I'm going to lean into the positive here because I didn't make this point earlier. So I'm just going to steal this and use it for me. Um, I, I think you mentioned it earlier. I think what Ole Miss did against LSU makes what Alabama did to them a week ago even more impressive. You know, I think there were some questions about, you know, and I don't think Ole Miss played a great game against Alabama, no doubt, but watching them run up and down the field against LSU and thinking about what Alabama was able to hold them to a week earlier, I think just adds even more credence to what we're talking about with this Alabama defense that, like, Ole Miss is a legit offense, um, and they look really, really good. Now, their defense is awful, and we saw that uh, against LSU as well. But offensively, I think they're they're a high-potent team. And so I think the fact that Bama did what they did a week ago um, 
it's just just added it just makes it even more impressive to me uh, in hindsight so i kind of violated the rules of this segment um but i didn't get a chance to say it earlier so i wanted to sneak it in here and i'll, I'll turn it to you cody you can be more nitpicky than me today um well to your point before i get into what i'm gonna say um because i do have something that kind of bothered me a little bit at least on the rewatch not so much watching it live but um to your point about alabama's defense all five games this year um, their opponents have had some of their worst offensive performances against Alabama's defense. I think three of the five games, um, the opposing offenses had their worst um, offensive performance in terms of total yardage. Um, and then in the other two games, I believe it was like their second worst of the season. This is through five games, still a small sample size, but like Alabama's defense is like bringing the worst out of their opponents, which like when you think about a championship level defense, the type of Alabama defense that you know, gets them to SEC title games and you know, college football playoffs. Like that's what you want. You want a defense that brings the worst out of your off the, out of the opposing offense. You want a defense that's going to make them work for every single yard. Um, you know, like even Texas, the 454 yards through five games this season is the second fewest that they've had in a single game this season. Like, I know that's, that's kind of a weird, you know, like, Oh my God, Alabama's defense got torched. It's like, well, comparatively, they did a pretty good job on the Longhorns, like all things considered, like you take away, you know, that, you know, quick six play flip at the end of the third, early fourth. And, you know, I mean, I, I, people forget Alabama was winning that game going in the fourth quarter, like because yeah. of the defense. Right. So, um, no, I agree. Like they've, they've done really, really well. I think the one thing I didn't like, um, and this is just, it's a small thing that I've seen a couple of times now. And it just makes me worried because you see who's coming down the pike here. Um, Will Rogers had a lot of success on plays where he was moving, right? Like there, and a couple of those things were scheme things where, you know, they were able to get Campbell and Tresman Marshall out of the middle and that opened up wide open runs. You know, I think what Mississippi state finished like five of 13 on third downs and three of those five conversions were running the ball. Um, but like Will Rogers had a lot of moments where whether he was moving in the pocket or whether he was running himself, um, that's where Mississippi state found a lot of success offensively. Um, yeah. There was a third down play in the first quarter where, you know, they sent the running back in motion. Campbell followed him that opened up the middle. It was a 12 yard run, easy first down. Um, he had another play on that drive, which resulted in a field goal where Rogers rolled out, hit his receiver for a 13 yard gain. Um, Mike Wright obviously had the 15 yard touchdown run. Um, you combine that with, some of the success that South Florida had Byron Brown freshman running the ball a little bit. Um, that seemed to be a, a lack of gap integrity thing from the defensive line. And then Jackson dart had a little bit of success um, for Ole Miss, you know, had that 10 yard touchdown run early. They were able to open the middle and do a lot of things, um, you know, so maybe it's more of a middle of the defense thing than it is like a mobile quarterback thing. But um, you know, unless you have a Quinn Ewers who can get the ball out in a second and a half, um, mobile quarterbacks or quarterbacks who can extend plays or create plays with their feet seem to it's it's not enough to be a huge worry uh, but they seem to give Alabama a few small problems game to game and I guess the reason I bring that up is because I know that you know in November um Jalen Jaden Daniels um, oh, sure, LSU, yeah. that's a guy who he will make you pay with both his feet and his arm. He seems to have put a lot of really, really good things together this season. The LSU, you can say what you want about the LSU defense. The LSU offense um, continues to play at a very, very high level, regardless of opponent, um, unless that opponent is Florida State, because Florida State just stepped on their neck. That was week one. Since then, they've been very, very good. Um, you know, you look at some of the other quarterbacks they might have to play, like Joe Milton is a guy who's capable of running. They haven't really leaned into that a lot, Tennessee. Um, you know, I, Auburn at the end of the season, that's going to be a road game. Funny things happen at Jordan Hare stadium and all mm -hmm. Auburn can do with its quarterbacks is run the ball. So I'm not saying this is like, here's the death knell to Alabama's defense, but like, that's just something to keep an eye on moving forward. That's something I need to see some adjustment to. And again, everything we've seen so far, it hasn't cost Alabama a game yet, but it's just these little things that are like, Okay, like I see these things, just it's it's a few plays a game where it's like that's something to keep an eye on. Who's going to be the team that tries to really lean into that and exploit that? Just the idea of a quarterback using his legs to either extend plays or make plays. Um, just something to keep an eye on. Not something that's like, oh my god, like flashing lights, alert, alert. But um, 
Just something that I've noticed the last few weeks. Just something you maybe want to keep an eye on if you're Alabama's defense. No, I think it's a great point, Cody. And I think, again, just you mentioned LSU. You go back to the LSU game. I mean, there were some real problems last year in, in stopping uh, Daniels and what he's able to do. I mean, he put them in a pretzel at times. And I think that's I think that's a real question, you know. And, again, I think the defense has improved from last year. Um, and – you know, Pete Golden got a lot of the the blame for not figuring it out last year. I think it's just in general. I think, I mean, big picture wise, you could say during the entire Saban run at Alabama, mobile quarterbacks have given him Alabama defenses the most problems, and they, they give everybody problems, right? You know, the, the dual threat I think has always been a challenge, but the up tempo quarterback who can move around as mobile has always been the one that has given Alabama the most problems. So I think that's a, a very fair point, especially like you said. With what's coming down coming down the pike you know i think um there's some some talented guys and um you know we can, we have plenty of time to talk about auburn but yeah they they hung around with georgia for a long time they had a chance to really win that game and you know we've seen what Hugh can do um and i think that the fact that they can use robbie in different ways peyton thorn you know that's that's going to be a challenging game um, at the end of the season. And it could be a game that there's a lot at stake for Alabama. Uh, not as much for Auburn, I think, at this point. But for Alabama, you know, there could be a lot at stake in that game. Yeah. Don't mean to be a Debbie Downer because I agree with you. The defense played very, very well. But just just little little hints here and there that it's like, okay, maybe we need to keep an eye on this for, you know, some of these bigger games coming down the road. Um, who was your MVP for Alabama in this game? I, I mean, I think just – for the improvement that we've seen game to game, I think I'm going to give it to Jalen Milrow. Um, I just feel like that's, again, not perfect, um, but I thought did what did what he needed to do, um, and I thought was competent um, and, like you said, a, a quality point guard. Maybe not a Steph Curry kind of point guard where he's not even really a point guard. We won't get into that, but like a – Jason Kidd, old school type, you know, I feel like he was just doing what he needed to do. It wasn't necessarily flashy, but I thought that the performance was, was strong. And I think, again, I, I, you can just see his confidence starting to build. And I think that's really promising heading into what will be a very challenging road environment in College Station. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I, I thought Jalen Milrow was the, the best player on offense. Uh, you know, you could argue probably the best player on the field for Alabama, regardless of offense or defense. Um, you could probably make a case for Will Reichard. Um, shout out to that guy. He just he seems to be not quite Justin Tucker automatic, but about as close as you can get for a college kicker. Um, you know, I think, what, 24 consecutive makes now. He's 11 for 11 this year, and five of them have been from 40-plus yards. Um, you know, you can make an argument for James Burnett, who set a career-best 67-yard punt. Um, of his 22 punts this season, he's put nine inside the 20. Um, shout out Casa Grande. I know you're listening, but like, yeah. we're not even talking about one of the best tackles of the game, also coming from a special teams player who has a great last name. So, you know, the special teams were just killing it in this game. I, I really hope Connor Talty, um, the backup kicker, um, who looks like, you know, he, he pretty well built for a kicker, not gonna yeah. lie. Um, definitely more built than I am. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it wasn't the cleanest tackle, but a very it was a well executed double leg takedown on his yeah. uh, on his tackle on kickoff coverage. Um, believe that was in the fourth quarter. So shout out to the special teamers. But yeah, I agree, Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, at one point, you know, if you tack on the end of the Ole Miss game and the beginning of this game, he completed I believe fourteen consecutive passes, the last six, and then the first eight. Um, I believe this was the first game all season where there was just the, I don't know that he made a poor decision. Um, except for maybe holding the ball too long on a sack. But, you know, I think you'd probably prefer that over a turnover-worthy throw. Um, he was just good. He was really good. Um, and even after, you know, two of the four sacks, um, you know, all of which I would argue were probably his fault. I think one of them was even like he just got ran out of bounds before he got back to the line of scrimmage. Um, but, like, he, you know, after those – after a rough first possession – um, he settled in, he executed the offense. Again, they scored points on seven of 10 drives. You know, you probably want to see a touchdown in the second half as opposed to a lot of field goals, but it's nice that you got a guy like Will Reichard who just doesn't miss. Um, you know, he did good. I, I, I agree with that. I'll, I'll, I'll follow you with, with Milrow as the MVP. And then, um, one other thing I wanted to ask you just kind of, we'll see if we do this week to week. Um, but what was your, uh, in, in getting to watch and rewatch the game, what was your play of the game for Alabama? 
Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, I already mentioned my Connor Talty. That was probably good. I should have saved that line. <laughs> that was the one that I had in my head. Uh, I just wanted to find a way to shout him out. So I guess I'll just stick with that one. Uh, I don't know how many times I'm going to get to mention Connor on this podcast, hopefully many in future years. Um, but uh, so I'll just for the for the bit purposes, I will uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep him as my uh, my big. It was funny just. You know, you, you kind of like you're watching, but you, you can lose attention. For some, but I was watching, and then just immediately, I feel like like ten people tweeted at me of just like, "Whoa, Talty and all that." So I think that just it made me laugh. Um, and then, of course, I think until the end of time, people will ask me if I'm related to him, um, which, to the best of my knowledge, we are not, unfortunately. Oh, that's great. I like that. Um, I'm going to. Um, I like, uh, man, there were, there were quite a few plays that I was thinking about. I think I'm going to go with, uh, Chris Braswell's pick six, um, just kind of the highlight of what's been a very, very good season for him so far. I think he's up to like what five and a half sacks now, or maybe just five sacks period. I'll look that up while I'm talking, but just like, he's been very, very good this year. Um, if you read Bama two, four, seven, you'll know that he was primed for a pretty good year. We wrote about him in the preseason, um, he, you know, so like being just being putting yourself at, so he's got three and a half sacks. He didn't have a sack, but he did have a pressure plus the pick six against Mississippi state. Um, you know, I mean, this was a guy that just, he continues to put himself in advantageous situations. He, um, you know, put on a lot of weight before the season so that I think he could just prepare himself for having a ton more snaps. He's always been a very productive pass rusher. Um, so now it's like, okay, can you do that over the entire course of the season? You're not trying to step in and replace or replicate what Will Anderson did, but you know, there needs to be some pretty good productivity so that the defense doesn't fall off. I think he's been very, very good this year. 21 pressures, three and a half sacks. Um, he's been the 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 key running mate that has allowed Dallas Turner to become the star that we all thought he could be. Um, you know, but then I mean the other thing too is that like Chris Braswell's making himself some money this season, right? Like you just need one really, really good year in Alabama's defense. Braswell is producing that type of year so far, five weeks in, very productive pass rusher. Um, he's a guy that also like, he can play that defensive end spot. He can drop back into coverage. Like we saw, he was able to handle the tight end. Um, and then clearly athletic enough to, um, spin out of both a tight end, trying to tackle you and a running back, trying to strip the ball from you and rumble 30 yards to the end zone. So I thought that that was really, really good. And just kind of a nice, you know, Hey, this guy's having a really good season. Here's a pick six as a reminder. Um, yeah. you know, that this guy is, he's just an ultra productive player. Um, you know, and, and he, I, I felt like he was going to have a pretty big year. Um, you know, and he's having a very, very good year, um, one month into the season. Yeah. I feel like we, we probably talked about in this podcast. We certainly wrote about it. Like, I think it was kind of like, can Braswell and Dallas take that next step, right? Can they elevate after Will Anderson left? And I think we're seeing that. I think both of those guys have elevated their play. Dallas is obviously doing really well. And I think, Braswell is as well. So I think those guys are very important. Uh, I mean, that's an understatement, but very important to what the defense is trying to do. Um, and I think that that was, you know, obviously a, an impressive play, but I think the growth um, that we've seen from both those guys, I think they're both going to make a good amount of money um, come here in uh, six months or so. Yeah, 100%. They've combined for nine sacks. They've combined for 46 pressures believe that's uh, either first or second when it comes to um, pass rushing or edge rusher um, combinations in the sec uh, Dallas Turner, his stats, he's up near the top in virtually every single pass rushing category this season with 25 pressures, five and a half sacks. Um, they've been very good this year. Um, and also um, to work in an additional shout out third um, most pressures on Alabama's defense, big Tim Keenan out of the interior. He's been very, very good this season as well. That was the instant. That was the offense. That was the defense. We named our MVP, um, and we also rattled off our play of the game. John, you got any final thoughts on Alabama-Mississippi State? No, I think it's just turn, turn the page, right? I think that this is a really interesting game coming up. You know, We'll have another podcast, uh, probably you and Mike Rodak later in the week, talking specifically about the game. But this is the game that I circled before the season as I thought one of the – most up in the air ones for Alabama. This is a team that they've played extremely close against the last two years. Last time they were in College Station, lost on a last second field goal uh, a year ago, uh, won on a last second Terry and Arnold pass breakup. So it's a team that they've played very closely. Obviously, they've lost their starting quarterback, uh, which is you know a hit for for AM, but you know, they were able to win 
few years ago um, with not their original starter. So there's just a lot of fascinating stuff, I think, heading into this game. And I think it's, um, you know, Texas was the first test. I think Ole Miss was the second. And I think Texas A&M is the, is the third kind of big test for this team. So they're, they're one and one. I think they're uh, maybe give them like a C average uh, for how they've handled tests so far. But I think this is one of the next really big ones. Um, so I'm just fascinated to see how it plays out. Fascinated to see if they can take what we've seen the last couple of weeks and, and use that on the road and what will be a raucous environment in Kyle Field. Yeah, I think the the, the early look at Texas A&M is that they've, they've got a nasty defense, man. Um, 18.6 points allowed. They're number one in the SEC in total defense, um, which is also number five nationally. They've got 20 sacks through five games. Alabama has allowed 20 sacks in five games. A&M also 49 tackles for loss in five games, which is a little absurd. Number one in the SEC tied second nationally. Um, their 20 sacks is tied third in the country. Just a nasty defensive front. If you can find a way to give your quarterback time, I think there's plays to be made, um, you know, on the back end of the defense. But um, they haven't really given a lot of teams a lot of time outside of Miami, and that was week two. They've clearly gotten better. They've won three games in a row, um, and they beat um, – pretty handily beat what I thought was a pretty good Arkansas team, although they are proving to not be nearly as good as I thought that they could be. Um, but yeah. And uh, you know, Connor Wegman might be gone, but Max Johnson is there and he's got plenty of experience, um, not just playing, but also plenty of experience playing Alabama. Um, so that's, uh, that's the early look at Alabama A&M. Um, that'll be coming up this week. Welcome to the month of October. Somebody wake up that guy from green day because September has ended. Um, I'll give Alabama a B minus, um, you know, failed against Texas, maybe not even failed, but just like not, not passed, but you know, I thought they passed the old miss test with flying colors four and one out of the month of September. John, thanks for coming on today's show, man. I appreciate the time. I'm just glad that you're able to work in that green day reference that made this whole thing worth it. <laughs> We will be back later this week to recap the news of the week and also take a deeper look at Alabama, Texas A&M. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show five stars wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, even our Bama 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Guys, you can get a subscription for a dollar a month to start and then just $10 a month thereafter for the best coverage of your favorite college team. Take advantage of that, especially if you're an Alabama fan. It is the month of October. It's going to be a big month ahead for Alabama Crimson Tide football. We don't want you guys to miss a thing uh until next time thank you so much for listening you guys we will talk again soon